This past Monday, I got an email from one of my Dominican brothers telling me of the death of a woman named Teresa Mirabella. And I knew Teresa. I, I had uh, met her previously when I was living in Chicago. And I probably spoke to her four times in my whole life. And yet, when I read the news that she had died, I felt like I had lost an old and dear friend. She was a remarkable woman. And as I was looking through the readings for this week, every one of them, in their own way, reminded me of her. This Friday, the church is celebrating the solemnity of all saints. And something, though, you know, I think oftentimes about the saints, they seem like these unreachable and untouchable figures that do such wondrous things that we could never hope to match them. You know, I think of going to the St. Louis uh, University and, and seminary and seeing their collection of the Omnia Opera, the complete works of St. Augustine and of St. Thomas. And these are guys who lived 1,600 and 800 years ago, respectively, and yet each of them had bookshelves filled with things, beautiful works of theology. And I thought, what are, the, what are the chance that I will have a quote that people will remember in 800 years? Pretty small. And they've got shelves of books. It's amazing. But I think the life of, of Teresa, in a way, shows the more ordinary way that extraordinary, extraordinary people are made. In our first reading, it says, God hears the cry of the oppressed. The Lord is not deaf to the wail of the orphan, nor to the widow when she pours out her complaint. I think one of the first things to realize about Teresa is that her life was a life of great suffering. She was... Uh, born, um, in, well, spent the first few years of her life in a Russian gulag. I don't know if she was born there, but she was uh, spent her first few years of her life there, and then her mother was let out, and so um, I don't know where dad was, if he died, uh, abandoned them, whatever. But anyway, she, it was just her and mom, and the two of them went west to Poland, still behind the Iron Curtain, and... Um, she remembers her mother, when, when Teresa was a little girl, like four or five, her mother would take her around to churches, you know, and she would point out in the church the, the sanctuary lamp, the little red light by the tabernacle. And she'd say, you see, Teresa, that light? That tells you in, in that tabernacle, in that gold box, there's someone who's all wise and who's all loving. So she did this for a time. And then one day her mother took her to a village, and said to little Teresa, Teresa, I can't take care of you anymore. I have to leave you here. And Teresa's like, Mom, don't, don't leave me. I'll do anything. I'll, I'll eat bread and water. I, I won't make any trouble at all. Just, just don't leave me. And her mother said, Teresa, I'm leaving you in the hands of someone who can take care of you infinitely better than I can. She turned around, got on a bus, and left. And Teresa said it, it was like a movie. You know, she chased after that bus until she couldn't see it anymore. And brokenhearted, she turned around and went back to the village. And she was looking around the village square, and she couldn't remember what door she was supposed to go into for the orphanage that her mother had pointed out to her. 
She's looking around, she's looking around, and, and finally there was this, for some reason, she felt this kind of pull. I should go in that door. So she goes in through this door, and she's in the village church. And she sees the little red light. And she goes right up to the tabernacle. She says, my mother says you're in here. That you're all wise, that you're all loving. Will you be my father? She said, I got a response. She said, I heard the words, my child, I will never abandon you. And then these two big arms came and gave her this tremendous hug. And she, she said, since that day, I have never felt alone. The Lord is not deaf to the wail of the orphan, nor to the widow when she pours out her complaint. But of course, the story of Teresa and Jesus is not over with. And from that first real encounter with him, he began to refine her love. In the Gospel today, Jesus talks about these two figures, the, the Pharisee, who's so convinced of how good and righteous he is, and the poor tax collector. Tax collectors in the society at the time were basically uh, traitors because they gathered the money that paid the Roman legions occupying Israel, uh, and also often thieves. Um, they were, could be rather unscrupulous in how they collected the money. So they're very despised uh, figures. And when Jesus tells this parable, you know, he, he portrays, you know, this, this sort of uh, dichotomy or opposition between these two figures. But I think what's interesting is that in, in Teresa's life, she was both of them. So after she has this encounter with, with Jesus, um, she, she ends up in the orphanage, which is right next door. And, you know, she said when, when she was growing up, you know, uh, the kids would, in the orphanage, would often tease her. You know, she said, oh, you know, I have these, I had dresses, you know, the hand-me-down dresses or whatever. Said, poor, um, poor orphan girl. So she, her clothes weren't very nice. And she said, I had these skinny little legs. And the boys would often make fun of me for, for my skinny little legs. And she said, so I would push them in the bushes or punch them. Not one to take crap from anybody. And, uh, and, then, and, then she'd go to the and then she'd go to church. And she'd sit in front of the tabernacle. And she'd say, Jesus, I had, I had to pu push those boys. They were making fun of me. They deserved it. And she said, you know, I never left the chapel feeling justified. So she walked in as the Pharisee, explaining to Jesus why she had done all the things that she did and, and how it was perfectly okay for her. And she walked out knowing better that she was a sinner and that she needed God's mercy. I was talking to my spiritual director recently. He's a Jesuit a priest of about 40 years. And uh, we're talking about feelings and prayer and he said, Nick, you know, I, I often tell people, if you want the truth, pray. If you want the truth, pray. If you want warm and fuzzies, do heroin. Okay? <laughs> but I think he's right. I think he's right. That ultimately real truth, real prayer brings us to the truth. The truth about God and his love and his mercy, but also the truth about ourselves and how much we're in need of it. 
And so this, um, Teresa's relationship with Jesus, you know, continues on through the years. Eventually she's out of the orphanage. She's an adult woman. She emigrates to the United States. And in her second reading, St. Paul says, I am already being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm being poured out like a libation. And I think that's in some ways a great image for so much, perhaps the last third of Teresa's life. She got married. Um, she had a son, one son. And when her son was 18 years old, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time in Chicago and a stray bullet from a drive-by shooting struck him and killed him. And so she lost her only son. And it was, as you can imagine, this, this horrible cross for her to bear. But her response to it was to dive deeper into prayer and to dive deeper into charitable works. She started working at, a, at this homeless shelter in, in Chicago. Um, she's, she's Polish, and, and this uh, homeless shelter served uh, men. Mostly, she said, alcoholic Polish men. And she worked there for 20 years, and she started as a, as a volunteer, um, but eventually the, the Franciscan brother who was in charge of it had, had to go, and so handed over operations to her. So while she's dealing with the loss of her son, while she's working as a psychiatric nurse, she's also running this homeless shelter. But each night, she would go back to the church by her house, the church where I lived, and, and she would spend time, hours sometimes, in front of the Blessed Sacrament, just praying to the Lord, pouring out her heart about all the hardships that she went through. And she poured herself out in this ministry, and what she noticed is what God gave her. You know, so she, she said, you know, though I lost my Robert, God has given me hundreds in his place. Because she poured herself out to these men who were in so much difficulty, so much trouble. And she loved them. She loved them. And that was the remarkable thing about her. And you knew it. Like, to be around her was to be in the presence of someone who knew she was loved and who loved very deeply in return. And now, and now she's dead. And it's a loss to those who knew her. But I am sure, ultimately for her good, that the God she served so faithfully has called her home. I think it's not an accident that her last name is Mirabella. Mirabella. Beautiful sight. You know, to be with her, to see her, was a beautiful sight. And now I am 
quite confident that she is or will soon be enjoying the reward of faithful Christians, which is the beautiful sight that is the Lord God, he who is love itself.